to end if love remains a unique show spotlighting people ideas science culture and art your host mike lovett, mike lovett. thank you rachel this is mike lovett you are listening to and if love remains and this is actually part two of the conversation we started with dr elias axel Pedersen. i hope you enjoy the show Again, you've been on kind of all sides of this as a competitor, as a judge, and as an organizer. So I want you to put your judge cap on a little bit <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and and maybe take us through what um, your um, – and we've, we've kind of prepared this a little bit. So we're, mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna, to – I don't know, cheats, right? We're, we're going to use a, a piece. Um, why don't you introduce the piece that we're going to do and, and, mm-hmm. and take you through from a judge's perspective what you would be listening to. Um, with this per- specific performance. Sure. And, and I'll just say that when we're judging, it's very difficult. And I always thought as a, you know, watching a competition, oh, it's so obvious, you know. And then when I've been a judge in something, it's like, oh, this is not always so obvious. It's very tough. And even judges that you, I've worked with many judges and I've done a lot of competitions here in Arizona, but also in New Mexico and in Canada and, and uh, in other states throughout the U.S. And it's interesting to see the other judge's perspective and what they're prioritizing. And you both might think you're saying the same thing, but you're saying something else. So you mo- both might say, oh, I'm, I'm looking for musicality. But then the way you describe that or evaluate that is different. So there might be an interpretation yeah. that, that emphasizes X, Y, Z. And those aren't really on my, on my priorities list, but I'm listening for T, U, V. And, uh, and I hear it more in one other performer than, than let's say A than B. And so I, I say, oh, wow, that person really did exactly what I was looking for. And I wasn't even paying attention to X, Y, Z, but another judge says, oh, well, they, they really messed up on these parameters that I've been listening <laughs> right. to. And I was like, well, I, I didn't even really listen for those, or maybe I disagree with that, or I don't think that was as big an issue as you're claiming it. I, those kinds of things, it's, it's so easy to, uh, to go way off the rails and, and just have disagreements. Luckily, I've, I've been in situations so far in my life, you know, knock on wood, that I've, I've worked with some really great colleagues and a lot of friends, people I know, people I respect. And so it's, it's quite, gone quite smoothly. I haven't had any, you know, things come to shouts and brawls and arguments and we've, we've right. worked through it. And now, uh, when, made when you're our, working on a jury, do you, um, do you work together? Um, or so typically you work individually and then you collab, you talk at the end and kind of compare notes. So whenever I'm, I'm working, we're usually sitting at this, this same table or kind of close to each yeah. other so that we get the similar perspective of the performer and, uh, we don't want, you know, an unfair, uh, angle or advantage or, oh, well, you were hearing it differently over there. That's why you gave this person a lower mark. Um, and so we all have our, our notes. We all, uh, all have the score, the music to follow, and we can make whatever comments that we want on, on our comments sheet. And afterwards, we kind of give them a mark for ourselves. I, I kind of have my own system and my own scale when I judge. 
And then at the end of a round, for example, or a category, we'll all meet and talk together and say, okay, here were the 15 pianists we heard. What, uh, what stands out? Are there some that are obviously in contention for, you know, a prize or something like that? Mm-hmm. And then we start to compare and whittle things down. Okay, maybe they're a possible first or second or second or third or honorable mention, or this person's not a prize, but maybe we could give them a special award, you know, those kinds of things. And then it kind of gets down to the nitty gritty. Okay, why do you choose this one is one and this one is two versus I chose this one is one and this one is three or whatever. And then you start to discuss, well, I was hearing this and they, they really brought this out. Oh, it was a different piece. It called for that. You know, um, and so I thought maybe we could go through some of those criteria yeah. that we look for and then try to do it with one of my own pieces. And I'm a little bit reluctant and hesitant because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's like those reaction well, we, videos. Well, we also, we didn't pick the easiest piece. <laughs> right. So there are um, nowadays that there's such a, uh, it's a thing really to do a reaction video. I haven't jumped on that bandwagon yet, but usually it's a reaction video to somebody else. Uh, I'm going to try a reaction video to myself of a piece I, like I recorded that. about 10 or 11 years ago. And, and before more. we do that, I want to ask one other aspect of judging oh, sure. that, that yeah. I don't think many people um, appreciate, or maybe it doesn't matter or should it matter? And mm-hmm. that is the visual aspect of it. Um mm. I mean, so many times when we talk about music and we're, we're talking about it as an aural experience, we talk about it, you know, it's, it's art for the ears, but it mm-hmm. really is a performance art. And so yeah, how point. does, how does the visual experience of being affect the judging and should that affect the judging? Gosh, that you're, these are tough questions. And each of these questions I could spend an hour talking about it. If this is, I mean, again, something that's hotly debated. And I'll tell you, uh, one field of classical music has tried to do away with the visual aspect entirely. When you go for an orchestra, uh, orchestral audition, a lot of them are, right. are blind. Right. They're behind yep. screens um, because historically, you know, women have been marginalized. They haven't made a lot of the top orchestras um, they haven't maybe gone to the top schools and then been allowed the opportunities to even apply for these positions, which are very coveted in, you know, New York Phil or what I think is it Vienna Philharmonic or Berlin that still has a rule that says only men can be in the orchestra. I, I don't know, but there <laughs> I was, didn't know that. <laughs> there was a longstanding rule with one of the European orchestras that only men could be in the orchestra. And I don't know if that's, you know, only recently been that's so uh, quaint. That, that glass ceiling has been shattered. <laughs> Most right. of the other, you know, all the other big orchestras, I, I should say, in the world have have female players. Sure. Um, and even con- the conductors, that's much more rare to have a female conductor. And and the big name I can think of right now, Maren Alsop, is, is sort uh-huh. of a trailblazer. She was the first American uh, female conductor to hold the post of a major orchestra. I think it was Baltimore. But they, um, you know, she but was actually... No, but race plays a factor. Body build plays a factor. Race, I mean, body, yes. All of these things. I'm trying to think, you know, there aren't too many conductors of big orchestras these days who are, who are very large people. There's one famous one. Um, gosh, I can imagine him. He has a great recording of Scheherazade, Rimsky-Korsakov. Uh, he's very large. There aren't many uh, minority conductors. Although mm-hmm. there there are more and more, there are more like right. Seiji Ozawa was a huge trailblazer, you know, as a, as a Japanese conductor. He was one of the first major Japanese conductors, and now you've got Kent Nagano and uh, and some others that I, I don't even know. There are many young ones that I don't know, up and coming. Um, there aren't too many black conductors, but they're becoming more and more well known, and and a lot of schools are accepting more 
into their classes. And so, yeah, a lot of minorities are starting to see just just barely now uh, a surge. Um, I think one of the greatest conductors today, uh, Gustavo Dudamel, he's he's a wonderful mm. conductor from uh, but, know, but beyond, Hispanic conductor. He's but in be, LA. beyond that, like the 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 actual you know the the drama of performing the the mm-hmm. you know whoever sta- whoever is sitting on that bench playing the piano you know yeah. how important is it that that they bring that visual aspect of the drama to the piece and and, and again i know it's a complicated question it, because yeah. it, it's it's not just subjective but it almost goes to the heart of what the art actually is and it's yeah. difficult to kind of like grasp because if, if you're saying like there's this visual aspect to it does that mean the music is there or the, the, the sound is less than, or what does that mean? I don't know. Right. Well, <laughs> I, I think, I think getting back to, you know, it is a visual art as well. And there's a visual aspect to the experience of a live concert. And that's why I think live concerts are so important. It's very different from listening to even the greatest high quality CD in a, in a, with wonderful speakers in a soundproof room. It's not the same as being in a recital. Um, and that visual right. aspect is important. So while the sort of orchestral method of auditions is, is important to get, you know, the best player as part of a group per se, um, when you want it, when you go see a concert, especially, like, especially a piano recital, you want to see movement, I think. Now that movement has to be tempered. That movement has to be part of the music. Um, but a lot of the composers that wrote these sort of flamboyant pieces did uh, wrote in a certain way for the keyboard that made you have to jump, you know, or made you have to leap quickly. And that would do something. And what's always fascinating to me is when I play pieces for my students uh, who might not have seen, you know, a great perform any great performance or, or any professional pianist, but a lot of them mentioned, Oh, well that, that person was, you know, their head was moving or this. And, and I just think like mechanically, <laughs> If they're, if they're, you know, producing a lot of sound or they're somehow pushing, I don't like to say pushing into the keys, but dropping a lot of weight into the key, there's going to be a counteract, you know, a counterforce. Yeah. That's just physics. And and yet they have no problem understanding that if, if it were a sports thing, like if you were to run into a, a, a tackle in football and somehow you're stopped and then your head kind of jerks to the side. Nobody, oh, well, why did, did his head jerk to the side? Right. He, he, it wasn't in the same, like uh, there's some sort of chain reaction going on. So right. somehow they don't seem to translate or understand how that could be in music. And what that often, um, what that often does is uh, there are the caricatures of pianists. And, and this is very old. There, there are paintings of Liszt playing where an artist would draw a huge shock of red hair because he had, you know, very beautiful, long flowing hair and just, you know, overzealous and, and just flowing all over the place as if that's right. all he's doing. He's just a rock, you know, headbanger basically in the 1800s. Right. Um, and that's not what it is at all. It's not only that, but that's part of it. That has to be oh, part of on. the... You, that, that that Tom and Jerry cartoon... Mm-hmm. Of him playing the list uh, of game rhapsody. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's over the top, but and and so you have to know what's over the top and what's uh, working with the music. I'll give you a good example because when it's over the top, it often is just it's histrionics is what we call it, and mm. and there are some you can tell when somebody has maybe a certain tick or a certain uh, can't think of the word right now, but but habit that kind of keeps coming, 
coming up with a certain uh, passage. But if you compare two pianists who are very famous, Long Long, who's maybe one of the most famous pianists ever, sure. um, Chinese pianist, and um, Grigory Sokolov, Russian pianist, uh, yeah. they both move quite a bit, but in very different ways. And I would say that I, I do respect both of them. I'm not here to <laughs> to <laughs> berate either or, or whatever. But um, I, Sokolov is actually one of my favorite pianists. I'll, I'll put that out there. Long Long has gotten a bad rap for just being um, a visual performer and a showman without the musical substance to back it up. And sometimes that's the case. Sometimes he plays pieces where it's way too obvious that he's making too much of the extra musical things like the hand motions or the looking up at the sky to be inspired by God as he plays or throwing the <laughs> hair back, you know, yeah. and that's not always uh, indic in indicated um, in the music or it's not really matching the music. Whereas Sokolov moves a lot too. His hands, I mean, he like throws his hands. I think he raises his hands maybe higher than any other pianist okay. I can think of. It, it, it looks like he would not create a good sound. It looks like a child banging almost all the time. Right, uh, right, right. When I see him, I'm like, how is he playing the piano like that? And yet somehow every time he makes a motion and comes down the way he does gracefully, or whatever, the, the sound is just perfectly, you know, rounded and, and the, the motion that he makes fits, the gesture that he makes fits the gesture of the, the musical intent, if you will. The yeah. sound that comes out, I'm like, yeah, that motion relates to that sound perfectly. Um, but when Long Long does it, it doesn't always work. Now, sometimes Long Long, in his element, I think can play, you know, I've heard him play things where I'm like, that's probably the best in the world of that piece. You know, like Debussy, right. I've heard him play, it's just gorgeous. Uh, but anyway, that's it's hard to kind of say movement is bad or movement is good. Movement has to relate to the music and, and somehow have a connection to it and, and make sense. So, okay. Okay. Now yeah. that, but that again, that's sense. partly subjective, you know, uh, it, it is, but I think, I think it's yeah. important, like for people to remember like any instruments, whether you're singing or playing the violin, mm -hmm. but specifically playing the piano, it is a physical, it's physical. experience. Yeah. You are, I mean, you're, it's a no joke aspect that when you're done practicing or playing, um, you know, you're, you're going to feel like you, you've been running for, uh, you know, a few miles. I mean, you're, it's, it's not going to be like, um, if, if you're, if you, you can really injure yourself if you're playing certain yeah. passages uh, and not, and not having the right, um, count, you know, counterweights or, or, or uh, allowing your, your body to support those fingers, mm -hmm. you're going to injure yourself pretty badly. Yeah. If you don't have the right technical foundation, um, there are just numerous pianists, especially at the conservatory level that just, they're pushed too hard. They're not ready for it. They don't have the foundation. The teachers are expecting more perhaps, or they're expecting more and they get tendonitis. They get all sorts of hand problems and, and arm problems. And right. um, I've, I've been lucky to largely avoid all that. Although there are a couple of years where I just, I practiced a lot and it's like, Oh boy, I can, I can see where this would go. Um, and it's, it's a wonder that some of these concert pianists that play 150 concerts a year can maintain their body, but I think a lot of people don't realize just how um, demanding on the body it is to play. You know, when I play a right. concert, a full length concert, I usually lose about a liter of water. I usually have to drink a liter of water after I yeah. finish. It's as if I ran, you know, like a 5K or 10K. Um, yeah. That amount of, of 
perspiration because of the pressure too, and the, the nervousness and your brain is at full functioning speed, you know, and, oh, and your it, brain it, consumes it, a lot know, of energy. If we were, if we were playing a video game, it'd be considered God level what your brains are doing. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. you actually, you taught me this. And I think this is such a, an important thing for people to realize, like when you're playing and, and I, I love like as a thought experiment, I, I do this all the time when I play now is I try to imagine um, and again, this is straight from Elias, the man. Oh boy, but I'm I, nervous. What did I teach you? <laughs> no, no, I think it's so it's so perfect because it's 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 so impossible yet it's so necessary mm-hmm. um, because you have to do it all instantly, and that's you have to put in your mind, imagine in your mind the sound that you want to create perfectly, mm-hmm. and then try and make that sound and evaluate whether you did it, and mm-hmm. then at the same time, how do you? Um, incorporate that sound, whatever you made, how close or, or far away you came from the perfect sound. Mm-hmm. How do you incorporate that into next. the next sound to yeah. make it as perfect as possible? And it, it becomes yeah. this like, um, this Continual. like vector of, yeah. of thinking because you're always thinking, what did I do? What am I doing? What am I going to do? What did, and, mm-hmm. and it all has to happen simultaneously. And you can't you know, like, in order for the brain to do that for that many minutes, for that many hours, sometimes it's, it is incredibly exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't come up with that, by the way. I think every pedagogue and <clears throat> trainer at some point has, I mean, Leon Fleischer is famous for using that example of pianist yeah. A, B and C in your head. Um, and kind of use that a lot, but you're right. You're, you're always reevaluating what's, what's happened and thinking about what's going to happen. I will say that no matter, you know, you do have to have some sort of technical foundation so that you can produce the thing that you're imagining. Yes. Because a lot of teachers at the very highest level, you know, Juilliard or whatever, they're getting students that already are so good that they can just basically say, well, imagine this or imagine that and somehow <laughs> right. it can translate. And I'm thinking, gosh, here in the trenches, I'm <laughs> teaching students who maybe can't lift two <laughs> fingers that can't make them clear. How are they going to imagine something and play it? Tuck that so, thumb. Tuck, get that thumb. In the- <laughs> yeah. So there's got to be a bit you of, can do sort it. of te- technical <laughs> support and foundation to know how right. to produce a sound and then you can, can go from there. But yeah. Yeah. All right. So sweet. So this is a big hour long preview for <laughs> our, for our mock judging session. Oh <laughs> boy. I've been trying to avoid this. No. So we're going to listen to a piece that I played and recorded um, many years ago in Montreal. I think it's from 2009. Let me check. And it's of a, um, it's of a Rachmaninoff etude. So he wrote two books of etudes. Um, this is from the second book, Opus Thirty Nine, and there's and also I, Opus we're gonna we're gonna play stop and play it as as he as he's doing this as he's reacting to it. But I will mm-hmm. also put a link um, for people to to listen to this recording because um, it is quite good. And and, and he's Thanks. he's he's gonna be hard on himself, I think. Because yeah. that's how he I kind of don't want to be, but I will. So <laughs> the, the link, we'll post the link. What I would encourage you to do is is pause the podcast right now yeah. if you're listening in and and uh, go to the YouTube link and watch it. And I actually have two versions of this. So one, but I'll, I'll tell you the one to post, the one where it's just alone. It's okay. me with the blue shirt. And when I had long hair, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Those were the days of, I was never a headbanger, but I had very long hair. And I, and I'm going to ask you to do the impossible, which is which is show you because I because I really want you to to go over like the the great aspects. Like if mm-hmm. if if, that, if as a judge you hear something and you go wow that 
that was impressive. You know, don't be afraid to give yourself props because because we yeah. that's one thing that I want as a layman. Um, I want people to as they're listening to it maybe become a little bit more sophisticated in their in their concert experience mm-hmm. and listening experience um, yeah. where maybe they can pick some of this stuff up. Well, I can set some of it up already because I know that this is a hard piece. So if I were a jury member and somebody came on stage to play this, I already have certain expectations like, okay, either this person, I have two kind of ways that this could go. Either this person is extremely good. And even if they're a student, a younger student than playing this, I'm like, okay, they're a very advanced student. Their teacher knows that they're capable of doing this. It might not be in a professional level, but it's going to be good because it's very hard. Or this this student or whomever is playing it is delusional and thinks they can play it, but just have has no concept of how the piece should go and should sound and maybe hasn't even listened to recordings of it. And by the way, I've I've heard both of those aspects when I've judged not this piece per se, although I have heard this in competition, but I've heard other pieces in competition where it's like, okay, either this is going to be wonderful and and we can talk about it, how it can be better, et cetera, et cetera, or this is going to be a mess and it's going to you know be a train wreck. Right. Um, so we're going to listen. This is the A2 Tableau in C minor, Opus 39, number one. Pause the, pause the podcast, take a listen to the, the link that's on, and then we're going to try to go through this. This is the first time we're trying this, so I hope uh, it works well. I'm going to play it from my phone so that the recording quality might not be perfect. That's why I urge you to hear, hear the YouTube video first. And then we're just going to go through it and get my get my thoughts. Okay. All right. So here we go. Well, okay, off the – gosh, I got to pause it before we even start. <laughs> off the bat, I always say that I can kind of – maybe, uh, you know, we're, we're living in a day and age where we, we can't judge by, judge by many things, certainly not by look. But looking at myself playing here, it's not a great angle because of where the camera was. But when I see a pianist, I, I think when they walk on stage and or how they – prepare themselves to start playing is very indicative of the kind of sound and the focus they're going to have. Um, and usually I'm right on that sort of stuff. And if not by the first few notes or by the first phrase, I know if this is going to be, you know, a very good performance or it's going to be pretty shaky. So I would say off the bat, I look pretty comfortable. It, It looks a little bit like I'm I'm straying there, but the the hand position looks good, and it seems like I'm very focused and and in a good position, good good hand position. Everything looks very aligned, and I'm I'm ready to go. So, okay, that's my initial thought before I start playing. Here we go. Oops, I didn't turn the volume up. Sorry. Oh. Let's try that again. Take okay. two. So take two, yeah. Okay, so we'll just go through the first phrase because right here is where it repeats the original motive. Um and already I see that uh, there's a really good swell in the sound. So in mm-hmm. the score, I haven't looked at the score in many years, but um, there are crescendi marked and a crescendi. And so Rachmaninoff wants this this very sweeping atmosphere in this piece, like very broiling, if you yeah. will. And so I think 
I capture the essence quite well. It could be even more, I would love it to be, now that I've heard this piece and my own recording so many times, I would love it to be even more sparkly. Like the the notes, it's going by so quickly. And I have to say, watching myself play, it looks quite easy. And I've, I've seen some comments that, oh, it looks so easy when you're playing it. I assure you it's not. Um, <laughs> but I try to make my my movements, I'm, I'm one of those that doesn't move that much, I, I don't uh-huh. think, when I play. And I try to make my movements as economical as possible uh, because there are a lot of jumps and a lot of fast things in this piece. So, so far, it looks like it's fairly economical, but I would love a tiny bit more clarity. You know, that kind of a little bit more. Like more, more a, rhythmic, more rhythmic clarity? Well, it's it's kind of like do 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 do. Yeah, I would like more like you know, I can't say, I can't speak it as fast as it's going, but right, right, but, but you know, a, yeah. a little bit more, a little more that, separation. Yeah, like um, sparkling fingers. I my teacher always used to. Say. Yeah. So anyway, okay. uh, it, it's still quite good. It's very clean, uh, but it's not. You know, I, I've heard some recordings out there, but by some famous pianists. Uh, Lugansky and and, and uh, Ashkenazi. I mean, they're they're some of the greatest, and it's just a little bit more pristine and clear in the uh, yeah. sound. It's a little bit more pingy uh, to the sound. So, but anyway, so far good sound, good voicing. The bass. I, this is an amazing piano in an amazing hall. So what can I say? The bass sounds great. <laughs> you just you let let it do its thing. Yeah, huh? just let it do its <laughs> thing, and and uh, and it's a very rich sound. So I do like yeah. that. Okay, let's keep going here. So another thing that I'll talk about, I mean, that that was quite clear and and fairly fairly, um, convincing. The, The pacing of this piece is very tough to control. Where do you take slight pauses? Where do you, mm-hmm. you know, finish the phrase and go to the next one? It's is there such a couple. A fren- it's so frenetic. It's just so, yeah. ooh, you know, overwhelming. Yeah, and it's like, where do you take the breath in that freneticism, yeah. if, if that's a word? But I feel that there are some times in my phrases, I, I know this is a, a bit of a habit too, and my wife always hears it because she's great at this kind of stuff. But the ends of my phrases are almost a little bit clipped, and I would love for them to be fleshed out a bit um, to just breathe into the next phrase. So mm. that might sound a little esoteric, but I feel I'm I'm jumping the gun just a tiny bit on some of the but see, last. When you notes. say that to me, that sounds very technical. I mean, yeah. that sounds very much like oh, okay. Somehow, you know, whether by hook or by crook, you need that sound to last a, a hair longer. You know. Yeah, it's it's like if you were reading um, a poem or a, just some prose. And there's a period, and so you have a little bit of a pause, period, and then you go to the and somehow you at the end of that phrase you would just like almost skip over the period and start the next word, and and it's almost like a run-on thought. Yeah, it's mumble rap. Yeah, so it's <laughs> it's not maybe quite that bad. But it's, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's a, not. It's definitely yeah, not. But there are a couple of points where I'd love a little bit more. If I were listening to this, I would say, okay. Just breathe at the end of a couple phrases. Um, okay. This, and so, this so next so as section. A, oh, as a ahead. judge, that's, that might be a note that you make. Like, hey, yeah. well, allow yourself to breathe. Or, yeah. Oh, so so with that, I mean, you know, I, I'm also kind of thinking of this as a, as a player. I mean, because there's a couple ways to combat that. Number one, you can you can slightly 
not retard, but you can you can mm-hmm. give yourself a little breathing room through mm-hmm. tempo, or you can also mm-hmm. do it through um, through dynamics and volume. Uh, mm-hmm. You know where where you're kind of making a section a little bit quieter that allows that to sing through a little bit better. Yeah. So is and that something both, you would think about? All, all of those things that you mentioned are are tools, and yeah. the the question is how does the artist um, combine those tools in the best mixture mm-hmm. uh, possible to make it? So maybe the end of a phrase gets a little softer, so you can take you know, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's a loud phrase, so you can't use that option as much but maybe the last note. I think if you can hear the clarity of the last two or three notes, I always tell my student, let's, students, listen to the last one, two, three notes of a, of a long run. Um, those have to be clear. And if those are clear, your ear is taking a tiny bit more time to process them. And that's all the time that we need as, as listeners uh, to hear yeah. that. And that's all the time that the phrase needs. Yeah. So um, everything there are else. differences, if it's very low in the bass, you might need a little more time because it's, you know, takes more time for the air to process than if it's very high, right. uh, high register. So and, and, and like you said, things, it depends where, where you're sitting in the audience, how you hear those notes. I mm-hmm. mean, there's a lot also, of factors. Yeah. But, but w- w- wherever you're sitting, a low bass note will still take your ear or, or um, a very low harmony that's very thick will have more overtones. So your ear yes. will still take more time to process. Your brain will take more time to process it. So, um, yeah, just, just a little more breathing or space to set that next, that next phrase. So yeah, here we go cool. into some, uh, and it's pretty clean so far. I will say yeah, that really I miss, I think I miss one note in these chords coming up and then I get back on It's very thick, so it's hard to tell, but I'm pretty sure I missed uh, a note in the middle of this chord here. But anyway. So I'll mention another thing because now that we have these chords in the top, da, 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 repeating, I would be listening for, okay, how clear are those and how um, controlled are they? And on top of that, the bass, the left hand is jumping from a low bass note to something in the middle. And there's almost a, uh, a voice that comes through in the middle line. Rahmanov is very famous for this, mm-hmm. weaving some sort of voice in between the two outer voices if you will so this three-handed effect list does for sure yeah does this if you want a really great example i think my favorite example from rachmanov is his g minor prelude yeah Yeah, g minor prelude yeah it's just beautiful yeah the middle section you really get that middle voice coming in yeah yeah so he loves to do that and i know this piece and so i might be listening for uh that in in a performance like is this pianist aware that there's that inner voice and are they bringing it out? Are they bringing it out too much? Is it being punchy? Is the tone quality still good? Is it very um, like a voluptuous tone, a warm, lovely, you know, rich, round kind of tone? Or is it just hammered out because they, oh yeah, my teacher told me this is the middle voice, so I have to do it kind of thing. Um, That's that's kind of obvious to tell. So Well, and and again, in this context of of, like you have this very – jagged sounding piece and then you have mm-hmm. this middle like you said this middle voice that is more voluptuous more more yeah. rounded like can you can you make that happen i think and i think you do a good job personally. yeah well the next section that's coming up is the sort of b section of the piece and then it gets back to this rumbly stuff and yeah. you'll hear how the total aura and and color shifts because the 
top, which was kind of very now becomes very uh, effervescent and just twinkly, like a a shimmering kind of accompaniment. And the middle voice really comes out. So we'll see how, I mean, I know how it sounds, but I'm going to pretend for the audience. We'll see how this uh, performer handles it. Okay, so I, by the way, I, uh, I, again, I wish there's a little more clarity in there, but I love the, the very smooth shifts that I make mm-hmm. between the harmonies and that I'm reacting a bit to the harmonies. And there's this very interesting inner voice that comes in the top of the right hand there, which I think a lot of people don't, they either play a wrong note on top, it's, I forgot if it's like a 10th or an octave now, um, but I just heard that come out and I realized, okay, that's actually what's written. And that's what's going to lead because it's in the register, the, the tenor register, if you will. That's what's going to lead to this really beautiful theme that's coming up. So if I were listening to this, I'd say, okay, this person is well aware of what's going on um, yeah. and, and did bring that out. And yeah, it could be a little bit clearer in some places, uh, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Okay. So this is the place I'm talking about where mm-hmm. there are these pings on top. And then in the middle, you have this very gorgeous, um, it's just a chord, a simple chord that's outlined. But it's it's very pretty how it descends. And that's coming out. I, I would love, I mean, ideally, I would love even more distinction between the levels of sound. So I feel mm-hmm. in this section, you've got to have sort of, let's say, four levels of sound. I would okay. say the bass has to be pretty rich and supportive. Um, and so I, I, maybe I'll go out of order, but then I'll say what the priorities are. The middle tenor voice, uh, da, da, da. actually, now I just realized maybe there are five levels. So that has to be number <laughs> one, I believe. Right. Then the top, uh, very top note, da, which is kind of a counter melody or some counterpoint, even though it's in the top, uh, it's slightly less important. I would say that's the second importance and maybe the bass is tied for second importance. And then all the um, noodly stuff in the right hand, that has to be really subdued and underneath everything else. And it basically is here, but it'd be nice for that to even be more uh, muff- muffled, and it's not that I would put on the soft pedal because the soft pedal could affect the, the tone the of the other thing. notes. Yeah. But um, yeah, just very, instead of, now, you know. Yeah. It goes to say, what is it about that? Those, why would you want that subdued versus the, the, the middle notes? Cause yeah. Why, well, they're, they're very the high. They're very fast. They're going to come out anyway on their own. And they are, and then you have the, some chords in sort of the left hand, but in the middle, not quite in the low bass, not quite in the middle section where the main melody is, but kind of in that bass clef, beginning of the bass clef area, I guess. And I think, um, I think yeah. also it's, the, I mean, like if I were to say like, what is that in the music? Like I would not mm-hmm. call that the melody. I would call that the supporting factor. Like that's not, you know, it, it, it's, it's the, um, which it's part, not the, part the noodly the, stuff. Yeah. The, the noodly right hand. Yeah. yeah, that's support. That's a supportive role, right? So, um, 
And it's very hard because you have basically six of those uh, and they're in a high register. Our ears tend to hear the high yeah. register more clearly and it pings out more. Uh, six of those for every note, they're six to a, a beat basically. Yeah. So, so those six have to be under every melody note that you play. Um, and that's, that's tough. Uh, and you're moving, it's very hard to move very quickly and very softly, you know, imagine running. Okay. We're going to run a marathon right now, but you know, you're on tippy toes. Yeah. Okay. That's a lot to ask. So that's kind of what's, what's going on. So anyway, it's, it's good. I hear all the levels, uh, this, this, the distinction about as I'd like, but it'd be nice to hear a tiny bit more and maybe slightly more subdued right hand filigree. Okay. That's what I'd say. So, okay, let's keep going. I do like, so those harmonies are amazing. And I mm -hmm. do feel that I reacted to the different harmonies quite well. That last one is, is amazing. I, f I f can't quite tell what that, that is. If it's a two half diminished seven um, or some suspension in there, I don't know. Some th theory, uh, theory folks are probably going to lambast me, <laughs> but uh, I love that sort of extent, those extended chords. Yeah. Da, da, da. And I think I took a little bit, just enough of a little bit more time uh, or just enough time there to, to bring that out without distorting anything. So that, yeah. that's a trick is, you know, to, to show something off, it's not always about making it louder. It's about where mm -hmm. it's placed. Uh, but then you don't want to be too schmaltzy with it and, and place it. You know, you don't want to <laughs> off the beat or, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like you can make a point and say the word here, you could say it louder. Yeah, I'm here, but you could also say I'm here, but you wouldn't want to say like, I'm here, you know, that's okay. Right. That was a little bit too long of a pause. All right. So that's, I feel what the well, musical. Especially like you can do that kind of a pause. If you say I'm here. R exactly. Versus, I I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that right, doesn't make right. any sense. <laughs> unless, and again, unless the, the composer explicitly puts something as a, right. I mean, it's going to be a surprise, but it should, it can't be just something like, okay, that's a little bit more emphasis. If it's so delayed, there's gotta be some, um, Right. Yeah, no, so and it is that's, of time. that's a real that's a really nice yeah. section. So you know, so let's was, keep going here. Okay, so this is kind of the retransition back to that main theme when it comes mm -hmm. back. I I will say this is probably my least favorite part of my performance is um, there are a couple, I, I mean, I get all the notes and whatnot, but some are a little bit rushed and I wish it had this more impish quality and a little bit more buildup um, and a little more just placement because I feel I'm getting too excited for what's coming. I mean, I was performing it, I was in the moment and uh, some of these little figurations hey. in the middle um, I mean, I, do you remember this performance to a point that you could say, like, as something you noticed in the performance, or it just in retrospect as you're listening to it, you're like, more ah. in retrospect. Yeah, I'm. It's very tough when you're in a performance. I mean, yeah. I, I know that I knew that this was a hard spot. I'd worked on it, and and I knew I tended to play this fast. Um, but but what at makes the, that at the moment, particular section difficult to play? Well, 
there are a lot of, you're, you're very close together with the hands. There are some rests. You don't, I feel you don't have a lot of tonic or, or tonal support. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's just kind of, kind of coming out of nowhere. Like the placement after the rest, it's, uh, it's very tricky and there are a lot of jumps. So just getting all that like clockwork, uh, is very tough, and I work. I wish I had a little bit more clarity and took a little more time because I, I feel that I missed a couple tiny notes in here that, or I, I don't know if I missed them or I just clumped them together. So when I hear it now, I feel that yeah, this is not this is not ideal. It's yeah. good, it's close, but I I wish I would have taken a little bit more time or care with uh, enunciating those notes. I would say. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So let's. Uh, Let's see here. So it's interesting in this part, I actually know I I do get to the downbeat a little bit fast and that's because I found a technical trick. I have fairly large hands and there is a note in this, um, this big arpeggio in the right hand. And um, there's one note that I think a lot of people will put in the other hand. And and I do it, I think they put it in their left hand, I put it in my right hand. So I'm able to get to a, a chord a little bit faster, but it's almost too fast. So ah. um, this part, I, I wish I would have, it sounds like instead of mm. you know. Gotcha. I, that I could have had a little bit more. Um, ping or something on that on that downbeat anyway okay here we go this well again to in. get that ping it's about rhythm it's about like where do you yeah. it's it's really interesting it's not about like i mean it's about everything mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's how you play it it's how you the play sound, it in context. But, yeah, the ry- but it's the also rhythm. like rhythmically how how does how you place that is what makes yeah. that sound the work. placement is important and i think what happened is the last two or three notes of that i went those uh, rush just a bit, and so that that forced that time, that space to kind of compress, and then I had to come in early so that there wasn't uh, a pause, and that was probably just done subconsciously. And yeah. now listening to it, I and if I were to judge this, I would say, ah, oh, that's that's a little bit rushed. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't mind also a tiny bit more staccato in some of these sections in the left hand, it gets a little bit more portato in terms of the articulation. So staccato is more of a short da, 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 and legato is a very smooth da, da, da. And portato is somewhere in the middle, ta, ta, ta. So it's separated, but it's smooth-ish. And I feel that some of my uh, attacks on some of these notes or the releases rather are a little bit too long for me at this tempo. It, it'd be nice to have them a little bit crisper. I would mm, say. Okay. So if I were making a comment, I might say, you know, very, very good, very good placement. You know, the staccato, you're doing the staccatos. They could be in the left hand section, a, a little bit crisper. Yeah. You know? Okay. Okay. By the way, I'll just go back over that. I love that entry yeah. back in, into the main theme. It's so that good. Bass, <laughs> it's so fun to play. And I, I think I do that part well. So I'm going to go back two yeah. seconds to hear it.
Oh, it's great. It's a cool piece, and I love that <laughs> sex couplet that comes in. Da, 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 yeah. Before it's a quadruplet. Da, 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 da. And the yep. first two times is da, 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 da. And then da, 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 da. I love how Rahmanov builds that. It's um, so good. Yeah, and th- this is going quite well. I I do like the tone a lot, and it's just very rich in here. Again, just every little thing, every middle millisecond, I'm just wanting a little bit more perfection in, in terms of the clarity right now. I mean, this is still good. And when I, when I performed it or recorded it, this was sort of the best I could do at the time, but now I'd love to just have a tiny bit, you know, 1% more would be great. Yeah. So, well, and that 1% more only takes, you know, another, you know, thousand hours of practice. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's like, may, maybe I got, I don't know what grade I would be, give this. Um, maybe I got to 95% or something yeah. or 93%, you know, um, and so to go from 93 to 94 to 95, that, that's a lot. It's a uh, lot. And then to go to Ashkenazi, like maybe nobody's a hundred, but certainly people like Kisin and Ashkenazi and, and them, they're, they're like at 99. So right. for me to get from 95 to 99 would be a, a monumental task. And, and by the way, that's where like the whole, like, 10,000 hours to become an expert is such a misnomer <laughs> on both ends of the scale, you know, because it's like, it doesn't take 10,000 hours to, to learn a language or, you know, to turn, to learn the, 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 the fundamentals of something, as long as you're consistently doing it, but it also mm-hmm. takes way more than 10,000 hours to get really good at something and stay really good and, and get, and, mm-hmm. and to go from like that 80% to 90 to 95% takes yeah. just, <laughs> so much time and work yeah and and some of us i mean most of us will never get to that right. uh level where the the real you know the greatest pianists i sometimes delude myself into thinking for a few measures i can you know play at that level and, and maybe i can for a few measures or a page but like the consistency with which they can do that all the time and keep that high energy and clarity and accuracy and consistent i mean it's really phenomenal and sometimes i don't think i even appreciate it enough uh, but when I do hear a great performance, it's just like, I know that's great. I know I can kind of do that, or but just not like that all the time and, and keep that level. And I just, it's really mind boggling almost. Yeah. To me. So, yeah, um, really but anyway, is. this, this next section too is, is one of the harder sections and it's a place that I wish I took a little bit more time or was a little bit clearer because I feel I rush a bit. And as a result, miss one or two tiny notes, which, you know, don't take away. I get all the main notes, the bass notes, but there are a couple little smaller voices in in the, in the noodly stuff in the right hand where I'm not a hundred percent happy. So let's, and, let's hear this. And as a, and as a, and as a judge, like you've already kind of probably sized up this performer by this point mm-hmm. in the, in the, um, you know, in the performance, you know, mm-hmm. but, but is this one of the sections that we're going to hear that, that maybe you go, okay, this is where I'm going to know how good of a, player this guy really is yeah yeah i mean this this next part it's it's hard and it's just awkward and um these these all this whole etude is very technically difficult the whole way through but there are some parts that like are even more technically difficult than others yeah so it's hard the heart of the heart and that's kind of what's what's coming up so
so okay. It wasn't maybe as bad as I. Wow, that's but, so good. <laughs> but it's still, you know, like there's some parts in that I, I just wish I could. Um, so, I feel like I'd practiced it a lot and it was under my control, but if I could be more controlling in the moment, yeah, that would have been great. I felt I was just like going on adrenaline adrenaline, and you know this, okay, just, just go yeah. for it. Just do it. And you if it. I could be more present, I think it would be, but you know what, here's, it, it, especially a section like that, because here's what I love about that, that section, listening to it is it's, it's kind of a. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to call it a reprise, but it definitely mm-hmm. has like that theme that, that is going on. That's been going on through the whole thing, that swelling feel that kind of, but it's like Rachmaninoff has just amped it up to mm. a level that is completely out of control. And, and, and uh, it's almost a purposeful thing as a composer to write something like that, where it's just like, there's no way, like mm-hmm. it, not that it's impossible to play, but it's impossible to like feel like you have that thing under control yeah <laughs> there's actually a, there's a piece i think it's by prokofiev i can't remember it right now where it is and and the indication in the score at least at first it doesn't make i'll tell you what it is i don't think it makes sense but then it kind of makes sense so okay um it says uh it's already fast it's like presto okay then you get to the end section and it says as fa- as fast as possible okay and then a few bars or measures later or something it says faster <laughs> it's like wait what you just told me to go as fast as possible i can't go any faster obviously but the point is that you know probably by that time you have so much adrenaline that you can go faster and yeah. it just has to when you go as fast as possible it still has to have the feeling that you know this probably could get some turbo charging to it and uh, well and, and there's also something too like I, I try to explain this to my students about dynamics, about how they're relative and mm-hmm. how like sometimes when a composer says, you know, forte, like it's not that they literally mean a certain decibel le- level yeah. on the piano. What they mean is, is cause, cause you'll see this all the time where, where you'll say like forte, fortissimo, triple forte. Yeah. Like then you then you see like forte, forte, you see another triple yeah, forte. forte but you know, or something. Yeah. Well, you see yeah. it, it's another triple forte, but maybe yeah. it's like, it's a bigger chord. Like, you know, it's supposed to be louder, right. but, but you've already played it the loudest possible, but that's, it's not really about playing it decibly louder, but it's about like the audience should feel it more. And so yeah. like when you say faster and then as fast as you can, and then faster, like I almost make that feel like let the audience feel like it's faster, even if it's not mm-hmm. like te- like if you're if you were to like put a put a stopwatch on it, maybe it's not yeah. faster, but it just sounds faster. It feels yeah. Faster. You know, it's interesting with there are so many tricks, and that's what's interesting about the piano. Uh, if you see the forte, first of all, like you said, within even a forte, some things are going to be more important than others. Some harmonies right. are more. So does that mean they're exactly three hundred hertz, whatever the decibel level is, three hundred decibels? Um, no, it's, it's still it relative be. in that dynamic level. Right. So, but there are other tricks you can do. Do you add pedal over more chords? So it's more mushy, but more blurry, but still has more sound. Do you voice something more? Do you voice something less? Do you bring out more of the whole chord? Uh-huh. Uh, do you slow or do you soften up a little bit right before, and then you get right into it and it's like, you know, that kind of effect. So there are many psychological ploys that you have in, and magic tricks, basically a lot of smoke and mirrors as right. pianists, where we have to kind of be magicians, not just musicians, but we, uh, we have to pull out all the stops and, and use all those tricks to 
make it seem like, you know, something's louder, even, even if it isn't. Yeah. And keep that crescendo going. If, even if it, it isn't. So, so whenever I'm reading a score, I always read it in the context of like, what does the composer want the audience to feel? What does the, you know, mm-hmm. what does the composer want? Like the, 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 the overall, what is he, what is he trying to communicate more than what does he literally mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, other than important. I guess notes, you know, <laughs> right. I am a, ja- I am a jazz player. So maybe even notes, it's not <laughs> maybe, literally maybe what even the mean. notes. <laughs> <laughs> I know maybe what he really meant. <laughs> no, <laughs> really, let's not bash jazz musicians. Really there, there are a few good ones out there. No, there are, there are a, lot of, a lot of good ones. A few yeah. good ones. <laughs> Michael Cooker, I hope you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Even the notes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there actually are many classical pieces too, where there are, different editions with notes uh-huh. and ties and all that. So that even in our realm can be slightly interpreted. So yeah, it's right. not just yeah. jazz world. So, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It's, it's, that's very tough. And actually I was just thinking about this because it's such a psychological perception. There's a very good um, video by two set violin. I don't know if we yeah. talked about them before. They're He's amazing. Great. They're great. Yeah. There's something, you know, how we have visual, um, illusions, but there are also oral illusions. And there's one, I forgot it, what it's called, but it sounds like the sound keeps getting higher and higher and higher. And, and you're like, well, how oh, could it yes, keep yes. getting higher? I can still hear it. Um, and, and that's a very interesting illusion. So yes. if we can use that to our advantage when we're playing and try to kind of bring something in and, oh, that gets a little louder. Oh man, they're playing louder than they were before. Well, not really if you took a, a meter to it, but it seems like there's a, there's a piece, um, and I don't know the composer. I think he, I think he's a Russian. Oh my gosh! But I I remember it was so cool, and I can and I can almost mimic the piece because I know exactly what they're doing, even though I'm not playing it. <laughs> but what it is is it's the sound. It's the sound of the of um, uh, 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 Air Force propeller World War II airplanes. Oh, okay, cool. And it's and so what what they do? It's really actually it's a cool effect that anybody could do on the piano if you really want to. Is you put the pedal down, and you go to this the low end of the piano, and you just kind of like rumble it. And if yeah. you do it in a certain way, and you put a little emphasis here and there, and you just kind of like imagine what a imagine what what you know forty five B fifty twos flying <sighs> overhead would sound like. Yeah. Like you can kind of mimic that sound and that's what this guy did. And it's just, cool. I thought it was the coolest thing. I'm like, I can, I mean, I, I don't know if I could play that piece exactly, but I can make that sound. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. The effects that you can create. And, and once the mind sort of picks up on something, then it, it's very good. Our minds are great at associations. Yeah. Um, and so again, if you can play on that too, as a performer, that's, that's great. You can convince a lot of people, even if you haven't quite done that. Right, so, right. Yeah, people have made whole Very careers cool. doing that. Very, yeah, exactly. Okay, let's. Uh, I love these these uh, conversations. Look, we have a little bit of time left on this, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. So here's okay. the, the next part. So 
So that's a, I do that's kind of a classic Rachmaninoff ending. That's what I put another. I, I was gonna video. say that's such a classic Rachmaninoff ending. But, uh, <laughs> so yeah. good. I, I feel that. Um, so I do like my the the climax there. There are kind of two climaxes in the piece, and it does it. It does that in the first section, and then again yeah. at the end in in the tonaki. And I feel that uh, my setup for that is is very good. I, I like the pacing and the sound that I get. Very big sound. Um, I do wish the very end, dun, 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 the staccato chords, they're very tough, but uh, I, I do them in tempo, but I would love to have pushed that a little bit more. I, I don't know if I, it's you know, capable, but dun, 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 because the, they're all duples. And then the last one is a triplet. But it'd yeah. be nice to uh, increase the speed. So dun, 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 something like that. Uh, a little bit more exciting. It, it does distort the rhythm a bit, but I think it's called for, like you say, what what does a composer mean versus what they might write? And I think right. I think there's a, an accelerando in there or a stringendo, but um, it's certainly the music calls for that um, yeah. forward momentum towards the end. So I, I would, if I were listening to that, I would say, okay, great, you know, you you did a good job. You have the chords; they're quite clear, um, they're well voiced, but. It'd be nice to have a little bit more drive or momentum. I like using the, those kinds of words mm-hmm. uh, towards the final chord. Final chord's very good. So, anyway, that's that's sort of my my take on it. And what I would be, I would be writing all these comments. Of course, I don't know if I could write all the things that I said, but I would try uh, to give some feedback. And and uh, of course, this, and that's the other aspect. Yeah. Like as a judge, you know, you're doing this in real time. You don't have yeah, the. That's the, hard. the benefit of like stopping and, and Pausing, talking yeah. about it <laughs> right because we've we've discussed this for you know fi- i don't know 15 20 30 i don't know how long but many, oh, many yeah. minutes and the piece is three and a half minutes barely not even and i would have to be writing as much as i can in that that performance so oftentimes in a judging situation there is time between that piece and the next piece you can finish up and then uh, between each performer, we do get maybe a minute or two minutes and we can request, uh, can we have another minute so we can finish some of our thoughts? Yeah. And we don't get everything down. And the hope is that if you have two, three, four, five judges listening, and at the big competitions like Clyburn, sometimes they have 10 or 12 judges, um, although I don't think they make comments or write comments, but all the competitions I've done, we I write comments and I tend to be you know, one of the most verbose. I tend to write a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's too much, but I, I just like to give students as much feedback as I can. Right. Um, it's tricky because you, you want to make it positive, but you want to also make it honest if they need to improve something, but say it in a, in a nice way. And you realize that the teacher is also reading this. So you can't just say, well, this is terrible. You have a bad teacher. You don't know what you're doing. Stop piano. Um, <laughs> even though maybe there told are you to some, do it this way. <laughs> even if there are some students where I feel like, okay, yeah, this is not, you have, uh, there are a lot of students where I feel there's a lot of potential and it's not being realized and that's different. And so yeah. you have to, again, thread the needle and say it in a way where you're not insulting the student, you're not insulting the parents for making whatever decisions they've made, and you're not insulting the teacher for whatever decisions they've made. And that's tough uh, right. to do sometimes. Um, but as a, like so. like in, in this example, when we're, we're judging you in a sense, <laughs> you know, or, or as, as a listener, I think this is so valuable to like being able to because I, I can imagine somebody who maybe maybe they've heard this piece, maybe they haven't, but they're listening to this kind of with um, raw ears. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like like how would they perceive this piece and 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 we're talking about a lot of like voicing mm-hmm. um we're talking a lot about like tempo and 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 rhythmic stuff that mm-hmm. that you know if somebody were just to listen to this I, I can imagine, especially somebody not acquainted with Rachmaninoff for this piece, would be like, "Man, that just sounds like a lot of like noise. Like it's just a lot it's of just, noise, a lot of notes. So it seems so random. And for yeah. you to, to be talking about like, you know, finishing a phrase, and the phrase yeah. is literally over in milliseconds. Yeah, like, yeah, what does that even mean? To you know, so I think it's nice yeah. to be able to to break this down and have people like. So I would recommend people, you know, if you haven't listened to it, if you did listen to it and then listen to it, I would go listen to it again. Yeah. And see if you, you listen to it all the you way can hear it with first. new ears. Yeah. yeah. But maybe now listen to it with some of the commentary and, and see if it sounds different to you. That's a good point. Yeah. Good, good and, and, and then, and then I would say, um, and you listen know, to listen to people. some other versions. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, I, I would it, highly recommend. So Ashkenazi has one that I, I'm trying to think off the top of my head of those that I listened to a fair amount before. I think, um, uh, I just, I can see him. I just forgot his name. Lugansky. I think Lugansky yeah. has one. And, um, I think Richter's, well, he's played them all. So he's, no, and I'm going to say, and I'm going to mention, I'm going to mention one just cause it's, you know, it's a oh, personal yes, thing. Of course. You know, I have, in fact, how this piece came up was you and me were talking about, um, I had my, my instructor, um, when I was a, a kid, uh, growing up, he performed this piece and had one of the very few pieces he had recorded. I think it's a good recording. I think he did it's a really nice job. Actually, impressively when you sent me that i was surprised i just i had no idea when you said oh i studied with some some guy back you know back home as a kid i was like oh okay fine there are a lot of guys that you know teach piano uh, right and then you said he played this piece i was like oh my ears perked up like oh so he's probably pretty good and then you told me he played the entire opus which is eight etudes yeah 30 opus 39 there are eight of them they're very tough and then okay well if he played all of them then i was still skeptical like who is this guy? You know, <laughs> right. I, why haven't I heard of him? And then I heard it. I was like, yeah, that's pretty darn good. Yeah. His, so. his name is, is Chip Brimhall. And yeah. he was, he's, um, he did study at Juilliard. He's a r- amazing pianist and, and, uh, you know, one of the best, you know, one of the best, uh, teachers there in, in Northern California. I think he's still teaching. He's, um, mm. you know, always had his, his hand teaching, you know, young pianists. So I was, I was really privileged to get a chance to, to study with him. It's you know, awesome. So, What's yeah. sad is that there are, so, I mean, like he's not known because he's so good. And then yeah. there are so many other good pianists and there yeah, he's, yeah, he's not alone that. in that story. Of, yeah. Of he's not alone. And, so and good when and, I heard him, then, uh, yeah, I was very privileged to hear him. So, well, I appreciate that. So I, I'll, I'm actually going to put a link in there too. So people can listen yeah, to great. that. Um, and uh, so, yeah. And I, and I'll, you know what? And, and, uh, Elias, if you if you can maybe find you know Richter's or, or one of the other ones, I'll put those. I, I can I think, find some others and send them. I yeah. think it's so nice for people to to get, you know, once they've heard a piece, you know, if you can listen to the same piece two or three times by different people, mm-hmm. I think then you can kind of under start to understand what it's about, what you what you're yeah experiencing. Yeah, yeah so, that's very important. Well, awesome. It is. This has been so much fun. This has been, I think, a wonderful, you know, grand entry back into, you know, our, our off our, our summer break and, and getting into September. So um, thanks, Elias, for, for continuing this this little project with me. And, and it's been this is going to be a fun, fun year this year. 
It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks, Mike. I, I love talking through this stuff. And as you see, we went forever. So we did. We <laughs> did. <was> great. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone, I hope you enjoyed the episode. We're going to have more of this kind of content. If you like it, um, you know, please, you know, share it with your friends. Um, send it, uh, you know, to, you give can subscribe. Yeah. yeah. Give it, you know, comment. It'll be on, on YouTube, but also you'll find it on, on Podbean. Um, mm. You'll find us on Apple, on uh, anywhere you do, you have podcasts, you'll find And a Full of Remains. Just look up And a Full of Remains. Look for the blue flame. And uh, yeah, uh, thanks, Elise. It's going to be a great year. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. You are listening to And a Full of Remains.